0: Hello and welcome to Comedy in a Nutshell, a podcast in which I, your host, Mark Decano, ask the big questions about comedy. What is it? Who is it? And why is it? To help me, I've enlisted some of the experts in their field, comedians, promoters and fans, all of whom I confidently predict will be unable to answer any of these questions. This is the second part of a chat I had with one of my favourite comedians and human beings. If you haven't listened to the first part, it's okay, but obviously I do recommend you listen to it at some point. I love talking to comedians about comedy, and if you like listening to what they have to say as much as I do, then please like, subscribe, review, rate, and share the podcast. Now, without further ado, let's get back to our chat with stand-up comedian Rich Wilson. Are you more comfortable as an MC or as a spot? I like both. Actually, I'm all right with I'm all right with doing both. Um, yeah. And what he
1: got to a point, I was like, I'm I'm going to come away from MCing because you kind of get known as an MC. Some people don't understand that you're not just an MC. You're a comedian that is able to MC. You have the skills to be able to MC. They're not, they're not exclusive to one another, from, from one another. Mm. And I was getting to a point, I'm like, I'm always MCing. I want to start doing more spots. And then the comedy circuit kind of crashed a little bit. And I was like, look, I'm just happy to be gigging. So whatever you want me to do is what you want me to do. Yeah. But now naturally, it's like, people are starting to book me to do spots. It's just happening on its own. People are going... Yeah, actually, you know, we'll get it to we'll get it to open, we'll get it to close. Yeah. I'm not. I'm happy to go wherever, really. I, as long as I'm gigging, I, yeah. I, I'm happy. So when you MC, there is a there is a feeling of um, achievement. Like you've built a night. Like you went on first, got on warmed up, and then yeah. you got the first act on, and you built a framework that meant the audience had a good time, the acts had a good time. You cultivated that whole night that, man, everyone leaves at the end going, what a night, what a night. And that's all thanks to you, building that night. And that, there's a, I love that. There's a real sense of achievement. And I don't see myself as, I'm not, when I'm emceeing, I'm not looking at the audience going, right, you are going to enjoy this tonight. I see myself as in, in, with the audience, I've got my arms around them And we're all facing the stage. And I'm going, we are going to have a fucking good night tonight. This is going to be amazing. Are you up for this? That's how I see it. And so, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm happy doing either. I I, I do love emceeing. I love doing a spot. I'm just happy to be doing it, you know.
0: I've told a couple of people in the past that if I had to write out my list of the top five people I'd want to emcee my fantasy gig, uh, your name would be on that list. Oh, mate. Thank you. for sure I think you're a fantastic MC thanks I always get caught I'm a safe pair of hands (laughs) yeah well yeah you say that but I mean what's great and what is recognisable when you come out on stage in any scenario as a spot as a show or as as an MC you have established an incredible immediacy to your establishing this rapport straight away
1: thank you very much that's very kind of you to say I really appreciate that I I just I do I do I do love people and I want people to have a good time and I want to Especially now, because people can't afford it. And so if they've managed to find the money to come out to a comedy show, I want to do the best I can do and give them the best, give them value for money. And, and they go away going, oh, yeah, I'm glad we, I'm glad we scraped together that, that money to do that, you know? Yeah. Just, uh, you want them to come back. And, and that's, that's the key in it, you know?
0: Yeah.
1: Getting people to come back, otherwise we're all fucked.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about international. You've, uh, you've toured Australia, New Zealand. You've been nominated and won awards um, yeah, on the, on that basis. I mean, how is touring internationally for you? You don't realize how colloquial
1: your material is when until you go somewhere else and you go oh. Yeah. And I'm not just talking about talking about the underground in London or, but just your references are yeah. so small. You you don't realize until you go somewhere and you're like oh shit I just sound like a little Englander just. I've not <laughs> been anywhere. Whereas you see, if you see, like, especially if you've been with if you've been with, with Aussie comics like Mick Nevin, where they've they've done Malaysia and they've done they've travelled because they have to travel because the comedy circuit in Australia doesn't exist. You know, yeah. there's you've got gigs on the Gold Coast, you've got Sydney, you've got Perth, but it's so spread out. You're mm-hmm. it's very difficult to make a living from doing comedy in 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 Australia. So they've gone yeah. out. So like I say, they've done Malaysia they've gone up and they've done New Zealand and then they've gone over to America um, and it's not until you talk to them and you go, oh shit, yeah, or well, you watch them and they're talking about what people are like from different countries, what different customs, different this, different that and you're going, oh yeah, I bought some beans the other day from the supermarket and, and you you <laughs> suddenly go, oh I need to, <laughs> instead of looking down like that, you've got to start looking out and up yeah and you, and you have to be, you have to be international and that's, that's, that's a really hard lesson to learn. And you don't learn yeah. until you're out of the country. It's a, you know, it's hard, man. It's hard.
0: <laughs> Do you, have you found, um, I mean, you mentioned talking about references, but have you found jokes where it's not the reference, but the the, the style of humour maybe has just not landed? Oh, well, now,
1: in yeah. New Zealand, I love New Zealand. It's my home from home. They are, They have welcomed me with open arms. It's a beautiful place. Yeah. uh scott scottie who owns the classic which is the one of the best clubs not just in new zealand but in the world it's every detail of that club is is so it's 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 so well thought out it's perfect mm-hmm. and i remember being there and i remember i was doing my doing a bit and it was quite self deprecating which a lot of my stuff is and i was halfway through mm-hmm. and a guy in the front row went oh mate and I'm like, what? He went. Yes, come on, man. He goes, don't be so hard on yourself. And you're like, oh, you can do a little bit of it, but you can't, you have to, they quite like it if you're a little bit more, a bit more self-assured. Not necessarily overly confident, but just yeah. a bit more self-assured. So that was a, that was an eye-opener where they're like, all right, mate, you don't, you're not, things aren't that bad. <laughs> Whereas in the UK, we're quite dour, aren't we? And to show off. If you're yeah. overly confident, it's to see is be seen to show off. So, it, so we don't do yeah. it so much, do we? So yeah. that was a, that was quite an eye opener.
0: But <laughs> yeah, yeah, we like people who fall
1: on their ass. We like people who fall on their ass. Marcus burman has got a brilliant bit about that. Going, you know, because you, we've all got low self esteem. We've all got it. Goes, you ever met someone with high self esteem? God, and it's just like, <laughs> and it's brilliant, and he's absolutely <laughs> perfect. Yeah. So it, that was that was that was quite uh, that was a lesson learn on stage, you know. Mm. And then you've got Australia, where they're quite sort of brash. They're they're quite, you know, they're quite, you know, in your face a little bit more. America, Mm. there's that bullshit about them not understanding irony. And, of course, they understand irony. That's ridiculous. The irony is they understand it. Um, (laughs) But, again, that's your references. I remember doing – I did a gig at the LA Comedy Club in Vegas. And when you're on stage – the fountains of the Bellagio Hotel are behind you, out the window. So every, yeah. however long it is, you're on stage and you're just lit from the back with these things <laughs> going on, and you're chatting away in this club, this nightclub. And then the MC said, he goes, he said, he said it on stage. He went, he goes, yeah. He goes, I enjoyed that. He goes, but it was like a really bad cell phone connection. He goes, I understood some of it, but then it was like it cut out. I didn't understand some of the bits you were saying. And you go, oh, yeah. Right. You got to change things like. You can't, you know, sweets got to change it to candy, uh, you know, just just different things, you know, and that. But you learn that by being there. So I I do love traveling, and I'm, and that's something else. People say to me all the time, "Are you are you successful?" Because I've never heard of you. you go, I've traveled the world, I've been everywhere, yeah. and that's just through comedy. It, which if that's not seen as successful, then I don't know what is. You know, yeah, that's the thing. I've been, I've been, I've been everywhere, and that's. That's that's a, an absolute privilege. So, you know, yeah, I'm yeah. skint, but <laughs> at least I've been around. That's the main thing.
0: Yeah. Um, well, let's talk about your podcast. Okay. Podcasts. Yeah. Um, I mean, the fantastic Insane and in Membrane Thanks, and its its offsprings, Membrane uh, and Fembrane, they're, I mean, they're incredible. And you've spoken to some incredible people and, and just the conversations in are, are great and I cannot Thanks, sing its higher praises for it. One of the things i obviously i need to find out first and foremost is why why you why this podcast
1: i well this is a thing i i didn't realize that all the things I've been doing in my life all have all been working towards what I do now like when I was at college I was studying uh community care because i wanted to be i wanted to go into care work and so i was at i was in Croydon. Doing a thing called Croydon Y Training, which was like it was like the YTS, like the Youth Training Scheme.
0: Yeah,
1: and um, and I remember doing that, and then I ended up went and then halfway through that course, um, the the Lisa, who's now the mother of my children, became pregnant with my first son, so I had to sort of stop college, go and get a job. Ended up working in care homes, looking after the elderly, and then through that, Lisa's mum was doing some work, a thing called Kids Camp, which was looking after physically and mentally disabled children and we used in the summer to give respite to the parents we'd take the kids out for the day take them to thought park or wherever we'd take them to the zoo and whatever else so i ended up doing all that sort of care work and then and then later on so that was always so i always had that in me and then later on through various failed relationships and my behavior not being well i was shit i was a shit person i was i kept upsetting people ended up having counseling and then, as I came out of counselling, I did um, uh, hardcore listings with Stu Whiffin and Chris Glasson on the Distraction Pieces Network, which is Scrooby's Pit. Yeah. Yeah. I was always a big fan of Scroobius, so I was happy to be getting involved with that. And after I did that podcast, their, one of their producers, Brad Acton, messaged me and went, you were really good on that. I think you should do your own podcast. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I, I've never thought about it before. I don't I don't know. I don't know what what I do. So he went, Look, I'll come over, I've got all my recording gear, we'll just sit and chat and then we'll see what comes out. So he came over, we start chatting, he's got it all recalled all the thing. He starts telling me about this story about him. And I'm like, and so we got into this conversation. I'm like, well how'd that make you feel? He goes, well, yeah this is really the first time I've talked about it and we got right into it. And then we mm. sort of finished and we both looked at him and went this is a podcast about men opening up about their feelings that's what that's what this should be about and um Mm. i'd already had a chat with milo mccabe who's now troy hawk and milo is a trained psychotherapist and he Mm. was the first comedian that i told in a green room because he said to me how are you and i said instead of going yeah i'm fine i said i've just been having counseling and he looked at me like you have because normally I'm just like smiling and like bouncing around and like, yeah, how are you doing, man? No one knows really that I was crying inside, you know, that classic thing. Hmm. And talking to him and he went, oh, my God. And he started to tell me about his issues. And you're like, oh, my God. And we opened up and talked to him. So then that all kind of, at the same time, was happening with Brad. And then Brad had some other things to deal with. So I didn't speak to Brad again. But the the, the seed was already sown and the idea was there. So I remember Jade was doing... Uh, she's doing the continuity for MTV, and her producer Paul Daniels, I know, right? <laughs> he he had said to Jade, "I want to I want to branch out and start doing things like podcasts and things like that." She happened yeah. to mention that I would I was wanting to start a podcast, so she hooked us two up. She went, "You two should chat to each other." Hmm. So I got talking to him, and I said, "I think it's got to be about this," and he was like, "That sounds great." We need a title, and I was like, "Yeah, yeah, I yeah, will we'll think about it anyway." So I remember sitting on my bed. And I'm, I remember just sitting on the bed, looking in the mirror. I read this, this dressing table in front of the bed. And I'm just sat there. And it honestly, to this day, to this day, I don't know where it came from. <laughs> it just popped into my head, insane in the membrane. And I just went, hallelujah. And I fell on the bed. And I went, it's that. It's that. And it all comes from me mishearing the lyrics of that, that song. <laughs> and, it just, and it just, when something's meant to be, it just happens all on its own. And it just steamrolled And I remember, and Jade bought me this recording equipment and she went, right, you need to go and record people, just go off. And I was texting comics going, would you come and chat? And every single one of them went, I'd love to, come to my house at this point, this time. So I ended up going, I went everywhere. I went, to Tezilius was what, the first one, Phil Ellis, and then I'm in Brixton and I'm wandering around and uh, I bumped into Phil Wang and and I said, do you want to do this? He went, yeah, yeah, we haven't got to it yet. But he was like, yeah, yeah, I'd love to, mate, love to. And then I remember, I text my mate, Michael Smiley, the actor, and who was Tyres in Space. So I mean, he and I have known each other for a few years. And I thought, I'm in Brixton. He lives here and I haven't seen him for a while. So I messaged him. I'm like, are you around? He's like, I've got a meeting. He goes, but I'll be around at like two o'clock. i like, oh, brilliant. So we meet up, we have coffee and he says, what are you doing? I went, well, I'm, I'm doing this podcast. It's about this, that and the other. And he went, all oh, right, I went. Yeah, I went. Yeah, I've been emailing all my mates. We messaging all my mates and And he just and he got his phone out. He goes, Yeah, well, I don't seem to have a message from my friend Rich Wilson. <laughs> I, went, well, I thought you were busy. Do you want to do it? He went, Yeah, do you want to do it now? So we finished our coffee, went back to his, set it all up, got chatting, and it's one of the best interviews that's ever been. People still comment to me now. They still message me now, going, "I've just listened to Michael Smiley." It was a beautiful thing. It was it was so open, honest, raw. There's tears at the end. You can hear us hugging. It's such a beautiful moment. And it epitomized everything that the podcast is. It's that. It's men sitting in a mm. pub or a coffee shop. And we're talking about things that are upset us and, and our thoughts and our feelings. And it just came from that. And then I suddenly realized that everything I'd done in my life... And, all all the like learning how to talk about tragedy and feelings and emotions, mm-hmm. but in a humorous way, everything I'd done had come together in this podcast and it I couldn't fucking believe it I couldn't believe it it, it being able to talk about these horrible things like you know attempted suicide someone there was uh, Mark Lemon who's been on and his dad was murdered and we talked about that. But being able to do it with humour, which makes it more palatable, and it, it it's just a, it's just become its own thing. And I have, I want to say that I worked really hard, but it's just everything just was meant to be. It just came. I don't know everything in my life just happens, and I kind of I'm just sort of sat there going, "No, is this what we're doing now? All right, we we're going to do that now." And, it, and it's I've learned so much about human beings from it because that's the thing. It's become now. It's me learning from that person, from the guest. It's not about yeah. it's not about me because you hear that on a lot of podcasts. It's always about the it's all about the host. And halfway through, you're like, could you just shut up for a minute? Just let them talk. I don't give a shit about you. I want to listen to them, and that's what the podcast. And I think that comes from in as well, is that yeah. ability to let the guest talk and make it about them rather than you showboating. So all these yeah. things I've picked up, all these skills that I've picked up from all the gigs and the jobs that I've done and the life and my life I've led, have all yeah. fed into the podcast. I think that's why people like it because it's just, yeah. it's just me chatting with people that I'm interested in, yeah. like, like this now, like you and I having a chat. It's just like I'm, you know, I'm not showing off. I'm not trying to go, oh, look how wonderful I am. You're just really easy to talk to, and and it's a nice. This is a nice thing. We should yeah. talk a bit more. I like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to come back on, more onto, your, onto the podcast but just just very quickly you see I said no one wanted to hear from me it's about the guest all right <laughs> that's just a, something for my friends there who said you don't talk enough it's not my job to talk it's their job to talk <laughs> well this is it if you
1: watch like Parkinson and people like that mm. they barely say anything it's they they yeah. ask the question and then they let the guest go with it Graham Norton classic as well he'll chip in now and again but you just yeah. let the guest get on with it, and that's that's a sign of a good host, you know. And you're able to you're able to steer it in either way. Like you'll 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 go well. Let's bring it back to that, or let's take it over yeah. this way. And that is a skill all of its own. And that's that's you. To have that skill, mate, is not many people have that. So yeah, take that with you, mate. That's good.
0: I'll put that in my pocket.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Take that, that'll
0: yeah. go on the poster. Put that mate. in your pocket. <laughs> I've got a poster, but if I had, that would be We'll honest. get
1: you one. We'll, make, we'll knock you one up.
0: <laughs> we'll knock one up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So these people that you talk to, I mean, there's a lot of comedians, but there's other people. It's a broad church that you're you're chatting with on the on on the podcast. You've mentioned uh, briefly that, um, you know, it's just been easy to talk to. But is it you that's easy to talk to? Because of this personable nature that I've said about you when you're emceeing, when you're doing a spot, you have a, an easy... Uh, approachability do you think that they're ready to open up to you or because they know you it's funny
1: someone a few people have said that there's just something about me that's quite disarming i think because i kind of come at you with my arms open going mate let's have a chat not like yeah. i'm gonna talk at you it's kind of very open arms and like kind oh, of mate and it's funny a lot of comics have said after or a lot of guests have gone i didn't know i was going to talk about any of that I had a plan of what I was going to say and it's gone off on this tangent and I've told you all manner of stuff that I haven't really spoken about before. I don't really know what that is. I don't know why that is. It, but mm-hmm. People just feel comfortable talking to me. Yeah. And I think they know. The other thing is as well with the podcast is that the guest has complete control. So if they say mm-hmm. something and then later on they go, "Oh, I don't really want that out in the public domain. They, they, and I say that to them. I so, say, look, you have complete control over this. If you message me and go, look, I want that taken out not a problem you can i'll have that not a problem at all so that makes yeah. people comfortable and it is funny when you when you meet someone someone when it's a, when it's a comic i've, I've probably met them before i've spoken to them or we've had a kind of interaction so it's a bit easier but when it's someone that i've never met before i get nervous about that And i'm like oh fuck what is this going to be like but I, a classic example glenn matlock sex pistols bassist yeah never met him before Oh no, I'd met him once years ago at a small face convention, but he, he didn't—he wouldn't have remembered me. We briefly—we were sort of like in the same kind of circle of people that were chatting, mm-hmm. and uh, and I remember him, and he was quite standoffish at the beginning, and you can hear it as well. He's mm-hmm. like, oh, "Who's this dickhead?" You know, like, not—he wasn't being arrogant. He's like, you know, he's he's getting on. He's you know, as you get on, your tolerance levels get a bit thin on the ground, don't they? And he's like, "Who's this fucking dickhead?" Mental health, why are we why are we talking about this? He's a comedian, is he? He hasn't made me laugh once. You can kinda of get that vibe. <laughs> but you can feel it. Producer Paul said it as well. He said, There's twenty minutes in and you hear you can hear him just go, Oh yeah, now this is all right, actually. And he just opens up, starts talking to you, and it's like you've known him years. And yeah. I think it's I don't know why that is. It just happens and it, it I, I can't I can't tell you what I do. But I think mm. it's just that I don't i couldn't tell you just yeah there's obviously something about me that puts people at ease and i you know i can't argue with that I'm very lucky to, yeah. to have that no idea where that comes from
0: who knows <laughs> i wrote something down to myself here as a as a sort of more of a prompt for me but what i wrote was um because uh because comedians draw on their own lives and their experience maybe it makes it easier for them to talk about those lives and experience and makes them easier for them to open up about it but then of course the, I've reminded straight away that, well, you don't just talk to comedians. And, you know, why don't they just use the examples from their lives that they already use on stage? Why What helps them bring out more or go deeper and examine it further? And I think it's what you've just said there. You're just easier to talk to.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think because I'm coming at it with things I've done, and I'm very honest. I, like someone said to me, it was a, I can't remember what it was, that someone, it was a reviewer, and said that mm. I was painfully honest. Some of the things (laughs) I talk about and they go, you talk about the fact that you've cheated on people. I go, yeah, because I wasn't proud of it. And I wasn't cheating on someone because I was, it wasn't like notches on the bedpost. I look at me, I'm I'm stringing two people along. It was like I was in a situation I didn't want to be in and I didn't want to upset everybody. And it was kind of, I was a dickhead and I wasn't proud of my behavior. And that's why I talk about it. And then from that, people go, shit, I've done that. And they go, yeah, now we're removing the stigma of it. This automatic assumption that, oh well, you're cheating, you're a love rat. You just want all these women on the go at the same time, and you're like, No, I didn't know I didn't I was just feeling different, I didn't know what to do, and I got in a situation and I feel like and I feel like a proper dick and I was being horrible and I didn't know how to do it. And because I talk about these things, people are more mm. at ease to go, Oh yeah, like I say, I've done that, or I've done a similar thing, or there was this one time. So I come at, at it with my stalls already open. This is all the, these are the things I've done. And people go, "Oh mm. my god, you've been horrendous." I have, I have. And then they go, "Oh, I've done that. I've done that. I've done that." And then it opens up, and people start talking about these things. And so, what you'll find with a lot of comedians with their material, they've picked out the best bits, you know. Mm. Like, uh, and you, with a with a with good joke writing, you have to just slight, you know, get rid of the fat make sure all the make sure all the details are in place, all the relevant details are in place. And to to build the pressure to to make that punchline land. But when you actually yeah. talk about the story they go, well yeah that comes from the fact that that was I was married and then that happened and that happened. And so with the podcast yeah. you find out the stories behind the punchlines, which is really fascinating. You know? Yeah. And having people on that aren't comedians comedians, there's too many there's too many podcasts with comedians on. And Sorry, no, no, no. The, you know what <laughs> I mean, it's like, and I love comedy, but I think because of the nature of the podcast, I think what we need to do as well is have people on that understand how the brain works. So you have brain specialists on, or you have someone that mm. has, you know, someone like um, like a grief counselor, or someone that deals with suicide people. Or I've had family members on. I had um my my son's uh, sort of cousin on, who's he who was fostered by the family. I had him on talking about his life and and I think people need to, they need to hear other people's stories to make themselves feel more comfortable with their own stories because there's that, again, like I said to you earlier, you just assume you're the only one that feels this way or you're the only one that's gone through this and you go, do you know what? We are all fundamentally the same. Doesn't matter where you're from in the world. Doesn't matter where you're from. Culturally different, but fundamentally, Mm. you're all still trying to get milk. You're all still trying to pay the bills. You're all still going... You're all still cheating on each other, you're all still doing whatever you're doing. Wherever you are in the world. So yeah. chances are you've probably gone through a similar thing that I've gone through. But by hearing me talk about it, it make it puts you at ease and it makes it easier for you to talk about it. And that's the point. If we talk we just need to talk more. When they say reach out, talk to each other, they, that's what they mean. Yeah. You know? Talk you don't necessarily have to sit there to talk about your feelings, but you can just, just talking. Or just loosen you up. And just yeah. all, ra- all manner of things come tumbling out, and that's how that's how we'll that's how we'll remain on this planet, you know. Yeah, it's a it's a funny it's a funny one. I love being a human being. It's
0: fucking weird. <laughs> <laughs> part of what you said there i mean it, we've said about like affability but you've also got a sensitivity and you and i are of a, a similar vintage so i think yeah. certain ways we're trying to understand the world around us in a, a similar perspective but what you're doing is you're doing it through the mechanics of being able to talk to people you've got insane in the brain now trying to understand yeah. female perspective insane in the them brain for non-binary yeah. from a standpoint of unfamiliarity how do you approach those conversations
1: well i think that setting it up as a the the safe space of a podcast to be able to ask these questions. Mm. That's because I'll just say, I'll just, when we when we did fembrain, that came from a conversation again with my ex partner, Jay, we were talking about something and she went, you don't know as much about women as you think you do. And I'm like, yeah, mm. I do. of course I do. And it's not till you start having a conversation. You go, Fuck, I don't know. I don't, I didn't know what I know about the menopause. I didn't know what I know about periods now. I didn't know what I know about just what it's like to be a woman in a very Mm. sort of, you know, very masculine world. You know, I didn't understand Mm. that. And so having these comments, that's why I was able to, I'm able to say, right, what does it feel like? What is it? What do these things actually feel like? And Mm. again, people opening up and talking to me about it. I learned about endometriosis. I learned about, I just learned about what it's like to be a woman and then talk to people that are non-binary because that was new to me, like you've just said, we didn't have that mm. when we were growing up. You know, there were mm. men and women, and then there was there was trans people, but there was that classic yeah. thing of, are oh, they're just people that were born in the wrong body. It wasn't really talked about, and yeah. it, and so, but now talking to these people and getting more of an understanding, the podcast is a safe space for me to ask questions that you wouldn't normally be able to ask. Like if I was out in a pub and I saw someone who was trans or I thought was trans, you could walk up and go, so what's all this, what's all this about all What about that then? It'd be rude. But in, a, in, these, in these environments, I'd go, can you, would you do me the honor of coming on the podcast? I want to talk to you about trans issues. I want to talk to you about what it's like to feel or to be non-binary or identify as non-binary. I want you to talk to me about pronouns. I want you to talk. And that, I'm able to do it that way. And so they, they're coming on board knowing what they're getting into. They're like, oh yeah, I mm. want to come and talk to that, talk to you about that. Because then that helps us understand it a bit more. So people that don't have access to a podcast or don't have, you know, that, that don't do their own podcast can listen and go, right. Oh, I get mm. it now. Because my interviewing skills are very limited. I'm very clunky. <laughs> I, but I was sort of Jordan Gray about about being trans. And mm. I'd, sometimes I'll I'd just go, I have to, I'll just say like, so what is it like to have, you know, women's breasts and a penis? Like what is, you know, and it's clunky, and yeah. it's shit, but <laughs> I know what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And that's the same, and that, and I can do that in the safe, within the safety of a podcast. And people know mm. that I'm not, I'm learning and I'm, I want other people to listen and learn from it as well. So I'm trying to open the doors up to people, you know, so I'll ask the questions that you might not necessarily be able to. And that's, that's, Again, that's just, I just want to help people, you know? And um, that's why I do it. Yeah. It's, 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 the amount of messages I get from people going, thank fuck you asked that, because my daughter is now, is, is now identifying as a they, them. And hmm. it's a very new world for me. And listening to your podcast has helped me understand it a bit more. And that, yeah. I mean, what's not to love about that? If you're making yeah. that little bit of a difference, you know?
0: Yeah.
1: That's what it is. People come on the podcast knowing what I'm about. And knowing that there's no malice. I just want to learn. I want, I want people to listen to it and learn as well, so that you and I yeah. don't walk around like fucking dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's all that about? Women in birds in dresses. What the fuck? You know, birds in jeans. Men in dresses. What the yeah. fuck? You know that sort of shit. So,
0: exactly. But, yeah, I mean, when I again, when I was growing up, everything everything that was bad in the world was gay. Oh, that's gay. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. You're not not, not attaching sexuality to it. Yeah, it's like, what what are you talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're you're learning now that, you go, actually, probably shouldn't say that. So you're learning. But there's there's an assumption that men of a certain Mm. age, certainly straight white men, we're kind of, we're all lumped in with all the lunatics that are running the world. You're like, no, 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 we're just as fucked as you are. We're just trying to work it
0: out. yeah it's just because we've had everything go our way for so long that we don't know how to react to people who haven't had it we didn't know we
1: didn't know how privileged we were and now now they go you're so privileged i
0: had no idea i was that privileged i had no idea i didn't notice it didn't affect me personally therefore i didn't know it was going i didn't know to ask (laughs) i don't know what i don't know He's an unknown unknowns (laughs) (laughs) But um what's great is that you take those lessons and you put them into your comedy. Yes. So even in your shows, you are re-asking those questions and, and in asking those questions, I think you're educating. And again, it's not my jokes to tell, but I mean you do a, a routine about uh menstruation mm. and it's a great oh, performance. But it's again, it's not like something that a straight white male comic no. would talk about. Well, that's
1: it. The joke, yeah, the joke of it is when I do the analogy and I'm jumping around and it's like this and then this happens. And then even then I'm not getting it quite right. And that's the, that's the bit where I'm like, I'm trying to show you that I understand but clearly by what I'm saying, you can, you know, I get it, but I can't explain myself. And that's the, that's what I'm trying to get across is that subtlety is like, I get it, but I can't explain to you how I get it, but you know that I get it. And that's, that's all. That's what adds to all the funny. I think you know. That's yeah. Me trying to yeah. explain it <laughs> to
0: people yeah, who already know as well. <laughs> yeah, it's a blind man explaining colours. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah.
1: Exactly. <laughs> that's why it's funny. That's why, it, why it's like, yeah. You know. And I think that's someone said to me was char. It was um, George, my mate George Bartlett, and he said he's like yeah. He goes you're carving out a niche as like the middle aged dude that gets it. Like he's progressive and he's trying. You know. Whereas there's yeah. a lot. I was with someone the other night. They spent the first 10 minutes just slagging off young people. And you're like, don't do that. You're going to alienate most of the room. You just got to embrace it and go, look, I'm not you. I'm glad you are where you are. And what I want you to do is not what I did and squander it. I want you to enjoy every waking moment. Don't race to be older because you're like, I can't wait till I'm that age and I'll be this and this, that, and the other. Have a moment, be present, look around. And that's what I'm doing. I'm kind of going, because it gets to a point where suddenly you're 50. And yeah, you're not this anymore, and it's. But that's what I'm. Tr- I think, yeah, I'm just trying to show people that we're not all fuddy duddies, and you know, we're, yeah, we're still, some of us are still switched on. <laughs> <laughs> we have a laugh about, can we? Yeah, right? I mean, that's what's missing. though that's what's missing is a, is the humour in yeah. these conversations. People aren't, they're, especially online, too busy wanting to. Destroy everybody. like you're You you don't get it. So you your life should be over. And you're like, if you just had a bit more of a laugh about it, you'd get yeah. more done. There'd be more understanding. There'd be more empathy in the world. Instead of you lot shouting at each other, if you just fucking down tall, stop banging on the bars and just chill out a little bit and have a chat and have a laugh, take the piss out of each other. That's why humour used to work. You knew that people liked you because they were taking the piss out of you when you were growing up. Is when they weren't yeah. taking a piss. That's when you knew they didn't like you. Yeah, go, yeah, but that was bullying. And you go, not really. To a certain extent, it was a bit. It was joshing. It was just joshing. Yeah. And, and you learned very quickly to do it back. You know. Like, yeah, and that's how you. And that's how we get on. And there needs to be more humour in this rather than just shouting at each other and going, "Well, clearly you're this, and clearly you're that." And so you and everyone needs to chill the fuck out a little bit. You know. That's why they start like, yeah. putting ecstasy in the water. <laughs> <laughs> Controversial option. Put DMA on your toast and then everyone will chill out a bit. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not advocating drug use, by the way. Anyone listening to this, chill out.
0: (laughs) Well, again, I can't recommend it highly enough. It's a fantastic uh, podcast, Insane in the Membrane and Et Al. Um, But also, there's uh, Islington Radio, your love of music, tuned up Time Machine. Mm -hmm. Tell me how that started. What's that all about?
1: You know what? That came from Instagram. I I set up an Instagram... Uh, page called tidying the flat with tunes on and it was where <laughs> I was tidying up. I, I realised I was tidying up a lot and every time I was doing it I was putting I was putting records on. So I've got a massive vinyl collection. I got most of it's from my dad. And I was just doing that and so I was like taking photos of my records. I was going, right, this, this today I'm tidying the flat with tunes on. I'm playing this. This is this this is, this is the soundtrack to this, that and the other. And then that built and built and built and then a guy called Tom messaged me one day and he just said do you want to do a radio show I was like yeah of course I do he goes he goes <laughs> I want you to do a 2 hour radio show it's on Islington radio it's on a mixed cloud app and you can do what you want and I spoke to Paul who does my podcast I mean I've been asked to do this mm-hmm. and he went fuck yeah he used to work at Kiss back in the 90s so he's done all that he used to work with um, Phil jupitus and a few others
0: mm-hmm.
1: so he's well versed in it and he was up for it and then straight away we're like bang and then I asked Vic Layton to join us later on. And then it became... And then we got a guy, uh, producer Paul's brother-in-law, Big Knobs. He came on. And it became like a zoo radio show with some kick-ass music. And it just kind of just happened. So, yeah. yeah. And it, now it's, it's going to be on Spotify now. So it would be a bit more accessible. Because Mixcloud, no disrespect to them, but you can't find it. You know, you go on there, mm. it's, it's a pain in the ass. Whereas it would be on Spotify, everyone's got that. So yeah and i love music i think i love music more than i love comedy and i love comedy but i'll <laughs> chat about music all, all day every day all genres if it's good I'll, I'll listen to it it's i love music so much going to see music going to see bands my son's a drummer as well he's studying music in bristol mm-hmm. my eldest is a dancer so this music's always been around so yeah i love it yeah.
0: i absolutely love it is there anything in in music or in your experience of listening to music or live music or whatever that has in any way influenced your comedy or your your uh, persona on stage
1: i think yeah i think everyone growing up wants to be a rock star you know i used to play the tennis racket in the mirror and you know, i wanted to be mark king from level 42 and then oh nice and then i went on i wanted to be the first album I played Tennis Racket to the whole way through was I Just Can't Stop It by the Beat. <laughs> it's got a Mirror in the Bathroom on it. And that I wanted to be Dave Wakelin. And uh, I just remember being, I was Dave Wakelin every night after school. And and, uh, and then I met, and then the first band I went to see live was The Damned when I was 14. My dad took me to see them. And they that took me. So I wanted to be Dave Vanian. And then a bit later on, Happy Mondays turned up. And I, just, happy Mondays were like my mates. They were like your older brothers. They were, I just loved Happy Mondays. And so, I just wanted to be Sean Ryder, and then going along, I wanted to be, I wanted to be Eddie Vedder from Pearl Jam, and then I wanted to be Liam Gallagher, and then you know, so it's always been there. I remember seeing Oasis in two thousand and eight. I got to the comedy Cafe, which is sadly no longer with us, and Wayne used to run the comedy Cafe. and I walked in. And uh, he went, what? He goes, what's wrong with you? I went, what do you mean? He went, you're fucking swaggering around. And I went, oh, I saw Oasis last night. <laughs> he gave me a mojito, the strongest mojito I've ever had. And he went, you take that on stage, right? And I swigged this mojito and I swaggered on stage. <laughs> I'm emceeing as well on, like a, on a Friday night. And I didn't even speak. I just stood there and I put my arms out like Noel Gallagher. And I just went like that, <laughs> like I was Jesus. <laughs> And the place just <laughs> erupted. So yeah, it's always been there. That swagger, I think, has always been there, like the Sean Ryder, Liam Gallagher sort of swagger. You know, yeah. walk- I used to walk on stage to uh, "Underdog" by Kasabian. That was my walk-on music. So <laughs> It's always been there. You know, it's, it's, it influences you. It influences the way you dress. Yeah, I, I'm into my shoes because of music. Because I used to be a mod, and so it all, it all, everything I've ever done has become has mish- mashed into who I am. Yeah. so yeah yeah there's a there's a there's a there's a through line with music and comedy that goes through everything i do and yeah. and I didn't even realize it it just happens you know <laughs> I don't trust anyone that doesn't like music
0: what's wrong with you Hello? is that you is that- no, <laughs> no. Bloody love music. I was going to say, I was like, what? Because I'm a nerd, I made a spreadsheet of all the comedy gigs I could remember. Oh, really? I'm still adding to it because some of them pop into my head. It's got, it's got about 1,500 lines on it at the moment. Oh, really? Of artists, like about 800 comics I've seen going back to little and large in the 70s, you know. Oh, God. But, and I thought, well, you know what? I should write. I should do the same thing for all the gigs I've been to. Yeah. But these are the first five gigs I went to. This is all 1989 in the space of four weeks. First gig was the Monkees, Hammersmith Odeon. What? When there was four of them. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god! There's, a couple of nights later, I went to see the Everly Brothers. Fucking hell! When there were still when there were still two of them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's none of them now. <laughs> and uh, then I went to see Transvision Vamp. Oh my god! Yeah. Yeah. Wendy James. Wendy James. Yeah. Wendy James is the bit I remember. The gig was not great. <laughs> uh, the following week, suicidal tendencies. Fuck me. And then the week after that, Anthrax Mate. at Brixton. So quite an eclectic mix. So if you don't like music, you know you can't swing from the monkeys. And within four weeks, go see Anthrax. Hey, right.
1: see that's the same as me. I've been to see all sorts, you know. And the first yeah. and one and only stage dive I ever did was I went to see the Exploited, and I jumped <laughs> off the stage. I missed the mosh pit, and I hit the floor behind it or in between the, the the rest of the crowd. And, the, and so, but then yeah, the following week, I'm going to see Bros. So you know, <laughs> <that's the horror. laughs> I just love
0: it. Yeah. I did one and only stage dive. It was an Ugly Kid Joe concert at the TNC no. in Kentish Town. You're not diving and catching the cradle. You're leaping. <laughs> Is that <laughs> <laughs> No, not quite. I think it was like Madman or something. Right, like that, right, but right. It, was, it was cracking. I mean, so I go, of all the gigs I choose, I just saw Megadeth at the Marquee. Why am I going to <laughs> am my <I> stage dive? <laughs> the Marquee as Kid well jo- would be perfect. The Marquee? you I- oh, have what, 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 what a have? T- I've t- never got to venue, go to the
1: Marquee, unfortunately.
0: Oh, man. Oh, it was the stickiest venue in town. I tell you, it was <laughs> I saw Frank Sidebottom at the Marquee Club and it was supported by Chris Lynham. Oh mate. And yeah, I don't know, you remember Chris Lynham's great yep. party trick? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For the benefit of the uninitiated, yes, Chris Lynham's uh, grand finale was he would strip naked and stick a firecracker up between his butt cheeks yeah, and then Walk up... <laughs> up and down singing a song. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. I mean it was a, it was a surprise. <laughs> it was,
1: not anymore everyone's seen it now
0: <laughs> so we talked briefly influence of music on your comedy persona yeah. and you talked a little bit about, about intro music and this that and the other so how much do you think about who you are on stage is the person on stage the rich wilson sit here before me
1: yeah i think it is now like someone said i think it's paul peary brilliant comic and he said that i've managed to take who i am now and just it's just an amplified version of who i am it's just yeah. it's just the same, but when you're coming through, you know you you go through stages. You know, I wanted to be I wanted to be Dave Allen. I wanted to be Lee Evans. I wanted to be Louis CK for a bit until he got his dick out, and then he go I don't want to do that anymore. <laughs> I I used, to, I used to love Louis CK's just his his outlook, and I was I was like I want to be more like him. I wanted he the way he sees things is how I want to see things, and so there was a bit of an influence yeah. from that. So I wanted to be him for a bit. Norm McDonald, big inf- Norm McDonald's been a big influence on me. Uh, Bill Burr, mm-hmm. a lot of American comics have been a big influence on what I do. But it's mm-hmm. now you get to a point you go, actually, um, again, it was Marilyn, my my ex partner from before, and she said, "You you you are enough. Being you is enough. You don't need to be anyone else." And now i um, mm-hmm. she's right. And you go, oh yeah, I am. Yeah, it's all right being me. So it's just, it's <laughs> a, it's. All the influences in there, hmm. but really it's just it's just me. So I'm a lot of I am. I'm, you you've met me, we've hung out. I'm the same. I'm. I think I'm the same as I am. I'm just a bit yeah. more. I'm just a bit more animated, I guess, when I'm on stage. But it's more or less the same thing. I'm not that different, you know. So I, sometimes yeah. I don't even get changed for the gig. <laughs> <laughs> just wander up. I'll be chatting away. I go. Hey, listen, I'll be back in a minute. I'll go and do that and I will come back.
0: <laughs> what was your pandemic like? how hard was it on you or how you know did, did you get some enjoyment out of it
1: there were some highlights there were some good bits we did some fun
0: stuff but
1: mm-hmm. my relationship at the time was already failing so it was very stressful and you know that, and it was just that's what sort of saw the end of it really so mm. end of the first lockdown I moved in with my mate and that was it it just it was almost starting again which is what I've had to do I've had to start again um, yeah. and it just sort of, everything just sort of fell apart my career my, f- my relationship um, I had to start again but I've been really lucky to have really good people around me that have helped me out like Paul Sweeney my flatmate was I think I don't want to sound overly dramatic but he saved my life is what he did and I'll never never not be grateful to him forever I will ever forever be in his debt and I, I love him for that and then mm. meeting other people and they got me back on track and helped me out with money and and you know and and companionship and having a nice time, and then yeah. meeting Kate and meeting Kate and moving to Brighton and going, "Oh yeah, now I'm starting this fresh life, this new life and, and yeah very very um, now I can see that it, it everything happens for a reason, and that's that was a good thing. The pandemic actually uh sorted things out whereas before where well, in the pandemic, I thought that was it I thought it was all fucked. <laughs> <laughs> Now I'm in a better place. and So it's become yeah. um, good, but it wasn't good.
0: How was yours? Oh, I fucking loved it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go back to it. Yeah, get back to no good old lockdown. Well, I'm a bit, you know, in, I'll be honest, you know, I had a decent job uh, at the time and uh, I had to stay home for two months in a glorious <laughs> warm spring being paid full wage Mate, you living the dream. I was on a hammock in my back garden drinking rum in the middle of the day. It was glorious. It was the best time of my life. Toss up. Thanks, <laughs> mate. Ah, yeah,
1: there was definitely, it wasn't any FOMO. I noticed that. No. We were all locked down together. You weren't missing out on anything.
0: Yeah.
1: And there was that. Yeah. I felt strangely zen at the beginning of it. And we're like, oh, yeah, all right, we're going to just sit around eating and yeah. doing, watching telly. All right. Fine enough. Yeah. So there was a lot of that. But I think as it yeah. as it went on, it got a little bit more stressful. I think because, you know, money was running out. That's, that is one thing that ever since the lockdowns, like, money-wise, I'm still catching up, you know, because we right. lost our livelihood. You know, you're reliant on people helping you out. You're reliant on doing jobs, like working with your mate or doing labouring or whatever else I was doing. So that's, yeah. you know, that'll, that'll improve. It always does. But, yeah. you know, the knock-on effect from that has been a bit, uh, it's been hard work, but, you know. We'll be fine. We're getting back out there.
0: No, I asked you about uh, death on stage. So tell me about highlights. What's the most memorable moment? It doesn't have to be on stage. It just be as part of being a comedian, being on the circuit. What, what's the most memorable experience you've had? Oh, blimey.
1: Um, there's been loads of them. I've been really lucky. Um, mm. I, think, I think walking in to do, the, to do the open spot at the comedy store, Chris Rock was on i yep. thought oh, fucking hell, that's, that's something else. He was dying on his ass as well. <laughs> he, <bombed. laughs> he was bombing hard. That has to be encouraging, doesn't it? Well, that was it. Oh, he's fucking biting it. I can bite it. I'll I'll be fine. But then the next night, <laughs> apparently, came back and he absolutely stormed it. So, you know, mm. I think he's all right. I, I'm not really heard much of him about him lately. So. <laughs> um, highlights. I just think... I just see it all as a highlight. I'm, everything... Every gig I do, I'm I'm like, oh, this is brilliant. I'm getting to do this. Yeah. Having traveled around the world, walking down the street in New York, I was going to the Har Comedy Club. And there was a guy with was back to me on his phone. And as I was walking down, he turned around on his phone. It was Al Pacino. And I was Jesus. so shocked to see him. I just, I went, it's Al Pacino. <laughs> I'm like at him. <laughs> and he just turned back around. <laughs> but I think, I think all the people I've met, the life I've got, the life I've had, the life that's in front of me, it's all, Mm. it's all, you know, it's, it's all, it's all a highlight, you know, I've got, I've got to meet some incredible people, you know, I've had to, I've 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 had dinner with Heston Blumenthal, I have, I've I've been all over the world, I've done this, that and the other, and and I've got to, you know, I get to do this, I get to chat on podcasts, and you're like, no, there's still a bit of going, who's going to listen to me chatting, but you know, someone will, (laughs) and it, it's, I've just got to, I've, I've had a, I've had a very interesting life, and that's all thanks to comedy. So, mm. you know, I can't. I think I can't really pick out a specific. There's been gigs where there's been thousands of people, and you yeah. you can't even see how many people are there anymore because it's just a blur, and that the roar of them laughing at something you've said mm. is just immense. You know, and then but then last night I was chatting to someone. And he spat his drink out, and you're like, "That's that's <laughs> incredible." If you make someone spit their drink out, you know, or just when you have to stop the gig because they're laughing so much, you're going to kill them. You have to, you know. <laughs> amazing. It, it, the whole thing is a highlight. I feel. And I don't yeah. know how interesting that is to the listeners, but that's that's how I feel. You know, it's.
0: I know. that's beautiful. That's a privilege. Yeah. Do you feel like uh, you've gained any? Life lessons, any philosophies that you've taken away from your career thus far? I think
1: just learning that we're all the same. Like I said earlier, we're all the same. It yeah. doesn't matter where you are in the world. Like I say, different cultures on top, and there's different, different things, but fundamentally, we're all pretty much the same. And I think the pandemic really shone, shone a light on that. It we were, it didn't matter where you were on the social scale. Didn't matter how famous you were or how much money you had. We were all fucked at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you had Backstreet Boys stuck in their houses. I mean, all right, their houses are like living in a shopping mall, but it's still, they still couldn't go anywhere. And you're just like, oh yeah. So I think I've learned that. No, no, yeah. Fielding said the same thing. I remember him saying in an interview, he goes, "Yeah, guys, we're all pretty much the same," you know. And we should all yeah. own a cape at some point. He said that too. <laughs> I've got a cape, that's fine. There you go. At some point, <laughs> you should own a cape. There's a brilliant story. I play comedians football, so every Tuesday we meet up yeah. and there's and there's like there was one there was one week, it was everybody was there. John Bishop was there, John Oliver, loads of famous people. Noel Fielding was there. It was brilliant. a you know, really good laugh Russell Howard running around and all that. I remember talking to Noel, because there's a story, and I said, is this true? And he went, oh, yeah. He was in some bar, and he's got his cape on, and Noel Gallagher comes up to him and just goes to him. It's not the fact that you're wearing a cape. You know, it's the fact it's a Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's brilliant. And then he comes with his story. There's a band called The Seeds, this 60s band. I can't remember the name of the lead singer. It's a brilliant name. I can't remember his name. But he said, like, because when Noel was telling people, I'm going to go and play football, they're like, what the fuck are you going to wear to play football? He's like, shorts and boots, what are you on about? Like, they just (laughs) couldn't understand it. And he said he saw the lead singer of the Seeds walking up. I don't know where it was. I want to say King's Road or something like that in London. And he saw him. He had this big old wizard's cape on and he just looked exactly how you'd imagine him to look. And he's like, yes, that's (laughs) what it's all about. When people see you, they want to go. yeah, that's exactly how I thought you'd be. And that's, you know, I've learned about everywhere. people are all the same. We all we all want the same thing, really. There's a few lunatics amongst us that just <laughs> will never be satisfied and they are never going to be happy. It doesn't matter how successful they become. They're always going to be stepping yeah. on people and fucking people over in order to get to this imagined place. That, that Even when they get there, that's not going to be enough, you know. They're gonna. They won't be happy until the moon is in the shape of their head, and then they'll be just like, "Well, no, I want more than that. I want all the planets." And you just, you're never going to be
0: satisfied. You need to chill out, mate. Get a cake. Yeah. Chill out. <laughs> <laughs> so, what about? Um, I don't want to say missed opportunities, but things you haven't done yet, because you've toured all over the world. All the things that you've said, you know, you've won awards, you've been here, done that. What, what haven't you done? What do you want to do?
1: Um, I want to make a film, and that's what I'm working mm-hmm. on now. I wanna, yeah. I've got this idea for this film and I want to make that. I want, I've want. i always wanted to make a film. Not necessarily a TV show. I don't... I I watch bits of telly, but program, TV shows, I can't... After the first couple of episodes, I'm like, oh yeah, I'll get it now. Whereas a <laughs> film, it's all wrapped up in it. It's done. We're in a couple of hours. It's like beginning, middle and end. Done. Right. I don't have to invest any more time in that. That was great. But I want to do that. I want to make a film because there's other ideas. Hopefully, if this film gets any traction... I'll be able to make another film that I want to make, which is, ai won't say who, who it's about, but it's a biopic I want to make. So that's what I want to, now I'm getting older as well, I'm like, maybe I want to, you know, I can't travel around forever, I'm 50, I'm going to, you know, I can't be sleeping in Nottingham bus garage at 4am anymore, that's, I can't be asked. <laughs> so I want to make, film. I want to get into film, so that's what I'm doing, I'm working on a film. So we'll see, we'll see yeah I'm, I'm open to anything so we'll see what happens i'm gonna be an hour in an advert so that's happening <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you know just gotta say yes to things the power of yes
0: well is that is that is is that a thing that now that you sort of say well you know fuck it just do it doesn't matter anymore yeah. you got, you're got you not going to worry about oh you know maybe when you're in your 20s or something and you're dressed up as a mod and you're thinking about your street cred and all yeah. of that bullshit now you sort of think, well, oh, fuck it, do not matter, does it? Fuck it. It's either going to be an earner or a legacy or it's not going to be anything. This is it. The day I said, fuck it, it's the day <laughs> that my life
1: changed. When you're not you're not hemmed in by certain rules, regulations to do with fashion or whatever. Um, yeah. I think that comes from people who have been in my life, like my ex-partner, and like, being a bit more brave with what you wear, being a bit more open-minded yeah. about stuff, being a bit more... And then, like, who I'm, like Kate, who I'm with now, has been very inf- influential where... You know, she's like, yeah, you just got to just have some fun. Have fun. Like, there's nothing yeah. funnier than farting. And she's always farting. And they were always like, and you go, yeah, <laughs> that would have bothered me a few years ago. I would have been, oh, no, I'm hiding in the bathroom. But now, it's all best. <laughs> I mean, like, just be open. Open up and go, let's see what happens. Yeah. You know, and then you'll have more fun. I'm just open to stuff. So we'll see. We'll see yeah. where we end up.
0: <laughs> where can we see you? What can we find out about what you're doing? What you've got coming up?
1: Um... I'm doing, I'm going to be at Aberystwyth Comedy Festival at the end of September, beginning of October, Mm -hmm. doing my one-man show. You could have it so much better. I'm Mm -hmm. doing, I'm doing all the clubs. I'll be running around doing all that. I'm filming, we haven't sorted out the details yet, but I'm going to be filming an hour special at Up the Creek. Oh, nice.
0: I'm going
1: to be doing that. Um, And there's, but there's a bit more to it. It isn't just me doing comedy. Mm. You'll see it when it, when it comes out. So, so I'm doing that i think it's a nice because i started off there it's a nice it's nice to bring it back and show people where i'm at now going from barman to doing a yep. you know a sellout solo show and it will sell out because you're all going to buy tickets thanks
0: very much <laughs> if it doesn't now will be a crime
1: yeah <laughs> that's the spirit
0: thanks mate i've seen you many times and uh wouldn't miss and i've heard all the jokes so yeah, i'm nah. still going so. <laughs> I
1: have to start writing new ones now um yeah i'm just doing, a, I'm doing all the doing all the gigs. Insane and the Membrane's really picking up the head of steam. We're really, we're putting a lot more, we're getting, you know, we're getting a lot of interest now, so we're putting more effort into that. So mm-hmm. that's going to blow up. So it's all, you know, And then I'm o- hopefully yeah. this film will get off the ground and there's a book that I'm writing and yeah, yeah. just keep me busy, man. Yeah, you'll see me.
0: Yeah, <laughs> no doubt, no doubt.
1: And if anyone's <laughs> listening, just drop me a line. If you've got, just drop me a message, you know, I'll have a chat with you. I'm happy to do that.
0: So, yeah. lovely. It's been great. I've enjoyed this. It's been fantastic.
1: I hope it's not boring. No, that's, not, that's the only thing.
0: Not for a moment. So, Rich Wilson, finally, what is comedy in a nutshell?
1: I think it is... We're jesters. We are jesters. And there's too too much. There's too, many, too much emphasis on using your platform to raise awareness for this, raise awareness for that. And I'm not knocking that. I'm not knocking that at all. I think if that's what you want to do, that's how you see it, then absolutely. But I think you've got to remember, yes, you you are, yes, raise awareness for certain things. But you've got to remember that at the end of the day, you're a comedian and it's all very well talking about all these things, but you have to be funny. You are a jester and you're here to bring light relief to people's lives. That's what you're doing. If you want to be a spokesman for things, go be a politician or go do lectures. But as a comedian, you're supposed to comed, you're supposed to make people laugh, and you can still talk about the issues of the day of course you can but it has to yeah. be funny it has to be funny like the things I talk about like the transgender the transneutral toilets I talk about that issue but I do it in a way that is palatable people you know they, I'm not making fun of the issues i'm making yeah. fun of the people that have issues with the issues you know that's what's what, where my humor comes from yeah. so at the end of the day you're a jester so get your little balloon and have a dance all right because that's what you're here for <laughs> Your little curly shoes. <laughs> <laughs> You're supposed to be dancing around in front of everyone, distracting them from all the shit, all the idiots banging on about kettles. Yeah. <laughs> love that, Mister Claypole from Rent a Ghost. I remember him.
0: Yeah, Timothy Claypole. Oh, <laughs> That's I us. That's him. what
1: we are. We're him. We're Mister Claypole <laughs> from Rent a Ghost. Google it, kids.
0: <laughs> I, I could talk to you for hours. Seriously, Same, I Go absolutely on. love it. It's been a real pleasure, and I
1: hope it's. I hope it's entertaining, mate. That's all. And next time I see you, we'll have a pint.
0: Oh, for sure. We'll,
1: we'll have a. We'll, we'll get pissed and put the world to rights, like we? Normally do.
0: Perfect. Party <laughs> right, self.